How do you read an NFL playbook? Rodgers and Wilson make their return in all of our Week 10 game picks. Welcome to Saturday Morning Inspection. Welcome to Saturday Morning Inspection. I'm Nick Rudman, joined as always by that fair-haired man, Andrew Mize. We are not your typical sports talk show with the big media and the big budgets and the, the big sets and big suits. We have to make up for not having that by doing our research, working ridiculously hard, being ridiculously smart, and being ridiculously good-looking. That's right, Nick. And because we don't have the big sports media backing, we need your help. So whether you're listening on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, our website, smishow.com, or even if you just give us a little look on Twitter, smifootballshow, uh, it's all greatly appreciated because you, the viewer, the fan, is what helps drive this show. Uh, And without further ado, we have what I would consider one of our best shows today. I think it's going to be very interesting for the viewer if you're... More than the average, if you're a, like a one tier over a casual football fan, you're really going to like this one. But before we get started with our deep dive segment, Nick, are you ready to warm up your brain? I have a trivia question for you. Let's do it, mine. Let's see what you got. All right. This one is fairly easy, uh, but it's tricky. So, but I, I have a feeling that you'll get it. Here's the question Which NFL coach? Retired from the NFL with the most games coached. With the most games coached. So Shula has the most wins. Um, but Curly Lambeau for the Packers and George Hallis for the Bears, they were in it for a long time as well. Not um, wins, just most games coached. Right. I... I'm going to be a little aggressive here. I think my, I think you're trying to, you gave me a little hint with it being tricky. I think I'm going to go Curly Lambeau in, in, in Green Bay. That's, that's my guess. Curly Lambeau. Uh, you, you're, it's a tough one to give you a hint for. You're very close, but that's not correct. Just uh, try your other guess. Is it Hallis, George Hallis? It is indeed George Hallis, head coach of the Chicago Bears. An amazing 40 season run. Uh, 497 games coach. Pretty remarkable stat. I don't know if that will ever be toppled unless we go to like 50 game seasons. Yeah, it's impressive. And that was from a time in the early days of the NFL where the owner got to be the coach. So George Hallis actually owned the Bears, the Chicago Bears in the 20s, 30s, and all throughout his ownership until he died. You know, and he was also the head coach for a number of years too. Can you imagine if Jerry Jones or uh, some of these other owners were were uh, had the same pull like George Hallis did? Jerry Jones on the sideline calling the plays, nothing but four verticals, nothing but bombs all well, the time. If uh, Mike McCarthy throws out another game like he did last week, I think Jerry Jones may step up onto the sideline. You never know. Yeah. But uh, nonetheless, we hinted at it in our open. Nick, how do... You read an NFL playbook. That's a very good question, and one that uh, uh, Madden connoisseurs may think that they know. I've played Madden before. I've seen a playbook. You know, you've got your gun, your spread, 
shotgun, under center, eye formation. I know about football plays. It's easy. Or is it that easy? I think there's a lot more that goes into things than people like to realize. And that is why for our deep dive topic this week, we're going to go into a... This is, is this for, I guess, so you're the expert on this. Would this be for a season or a game? So what we're going to talk about today is more what you would get kind of the first day of training camp. So this would be basic, I'll call it concepts and, and, and plays that teams will, will use throughout the entire season. So this would be day one of training camp, day two of training camp. Uh, the coach is meeting with the offensive staff here. We're going to go over a little offensive action and break down the first set of plays they're going to install uh, going into the rest of their offense and the rest of training camp. So these are plays that teams will run all season. Basic passing game install for the first few days of training camp. All right. Um, I'd like to uh, let's let's get in here and look. Uh, this first slide that we are going to show isn't. We're not going to go too in depth of this, but this is just a general picture here. Uh, so this install, from my my understanding. There's a bunch of different formations that have different route combinations and stuff. And this would be like an entire formation right here. This is the branch formation, I believe. Is that correct, Nick? So you're close. It's a concept. So Branch they, concept. Yeah. So they, they, what they'll do is the, when, they, when they install plays, they'll start very, very high level. They'll start at concepts, which is in this case is a branch concept. And we'll go into what that means in a little bit. And then they'll break it down into what I'll call sub-concepts or plays underneath that concept. So a concept could be, you know, in this case, it's a branch. So it's a certain passing play. It's a certain situational pass play. And then you have different uh, sort of uh, plays and sub-concepts underneath that to take advantage of certain defenses and maybe certain down and distances in the game. And in those plays, it's broken down into different offensive formations that use those plays. So you have your high-level concept your sub-concepts or plays, and then you got your different offensive formations for each one of those plays. Well, I say because our first example is a variation of this branch concept, let's dive right into that one, and maybe the first thing we can cover is what the branch concept would be. Sure. So what each of these concepts is defined usually on a pass route or a pass route combination. So this so, is, we have here, just so you know, this is the branch bow that we have first. Right. So uh, in this case, the branch bow is a combination route. So you have a branch route combination and you have an arrow shortened to bow just for easy lexicon and communicating in the huddle. So this combination is the branch bow. So here you see on the screen, you see the branch. We're going to start at the far left. You see the branch route. That's that wide receiver running eight yards and then breaking to the sideline while the Z receiver, the far right receiver is running a vertical route the job there, the branch concept is pretty simple. It is an out route, which is the Y receiver, uh, running behind a deep receiver who's clearing out. He's making a lot of space on that sideline for that branch route, that, that outbreaking route to get open. So the bow combination is on the other side of the field. So a bow is called an arrow route, you know, shortened to bow, is a quicker and very fast outbreaking route. This, we're looking about five, six yards. I think up here they say four to six yards. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so you have the receiver, the X uh, receiver right on top of that. He is running an in-breaking route to kind of clear up the space, to kind of clear up that short distance 
so that outbreaking arrow route or bow route can get open underneath. So, Nick, one thing I notice here is the arrow route on both is just different receivers is red. Does that symbolize something in particular? Yeah, so that is a hot route. What that means is if the quarterback at the line of scrimmage recognizes that the defense is blitzing more defenders and their protection can pick up, that's where he's going right away. And that's also to tell the receiver that he's hot, which means he doesn't necessarily run the full route combination. He's getting off the line of scrimmage and he's looking for the ball right away. You can see kind of how both actions are uh, on both receivers there. There's a, uh, an initial direction and then an action off of that. In this case, it's a bow route, so they're breaking out. If he's hot, if you recognize it's the blitz, he's looking for the ball running that initial direction first before breaking out. And that would be a really quick quarterback catches the snap or, or drops back and throws it to him right away. It's to get the ball out of his hands really, really, really quickly. So anywhere along that four to six yard route, he could be receiving the football. But if he reaches the limit of that, he is now has the option to break towards the sideline. Well, so if he's hot, he stops, right? Because if, if it's a hot route, he's he, and, and he recognizes, and this is a lot of communication that goes at the line of scrimmage. You know, the quarterback will, you know, a lot of times look at the receiver and he'll, you know, do some kind of hand motion or they'll just know just because they work together. He knows if he gets to that point and it's a blitz and he's hot, he stops. Okay. Because he needs, to, he, he needs to give a clear and easy target for the quarterback to get rid of the ball quickly. Now, so... On number one, there's one and two. Number one, the Z go route. It says outside release. What do you uh, what both in both of these as well? The outside release routes are alert routes. So can we go over that nomenclature? Yeah, so, what does that mean? So outside release just is the angle that receiver's taking off the line of scrimmage. So he wants the play is set up for that guy to work to the outside. And again, he's a clear out. So his job is to take the defender with him and to open up space for that branch route behind him. Now they give him an alert here because there is a chance, even though the play is not designed for him, that he is going to be wide open. And the reason I say that is because a branch concept and specifically a branch bow concept is very, very common in pro football. So corners or safeties and other DBs that watch a lot of film make see this formation and because they've seen the film, they know that in this case, I think it's a 49er playbook, it is that, hey, a branch route is coming. So even though I've got this receiver right in front of me, I'm just going to sit on that branch route and try and cut in front of it and either break up the pass and make the interception. Now, if that defender does it, that means the receiver running the vertical, who's a clear route, he's going to be wide open. So they have this alert tag in here to tell that player, hey, even though you're running a clear out, there's a chance that the defender may outsmart himself here and you may find yourself wide open. So even though you're not the primary target, be alert because if the defender outsmarts himself, you have a chance to make a big play. Now that is very interesting, but something I want to touch on here, we talked about concepts and breaking it down smaller and smaller. So we have the overarching branch concept. Now we're combining branch with bow. So we have the branch bow concept, but then we break it down into these plays. And the, these plays, if we look here at number one, south, right, three, jet, Y, branch, do they, does that nonsense or does all of that stuff mean something? Yeah. So it obviously means something, right? A little rhetorical question there. So the, for, the a play is structured always the same way. The first thing you're ever going to hear is the formation. The next thing you're going to hear is if there's any motions or shifts, then the next thing is going to be the protection, 
around the quarterback. So it's going to be for the offensive line and the quarterback. And then you're going to have the route combination behind it. So here's south, right. And 49er language, that's this formation. That's one tied end to the right. And you have the Z receiver to the right with the F and the X to the left bunched together. On the right side of the screen, you see another south, right. But they call it clamp, south, right clamp. That tells the outside receiver that you're going to be close to the Y instead of being uh, spread out. And the tight end, the Y receiver is now off the ball and backed up instead of being on the line of scrimmage. So all that language there in the formation, it changes basically from team to team. Every team uses essentially the same formations, but they all call it pretty much different things. And so that's one of the challenges when you go to a new team is they, you know, they call, Hey, you got to get used to the verbiage and how plays are called and things like that. Because you may have a formation here. They call it South, right? You have another, another team may call it ace right or twins right or diamond left or, or, or whatever. And it's just some different verbiage. It's the exact same concept, exact same formation, but it's just called a different thing. And you'll even have some teams where they may have the same verbiage, but it means two different things. So, you know, you may have south right may mean this formation for one team. But if you go to, let's say, Dallas, south right may be a completely different formation. So it's, that's one of the challenges of getting in the playbook and learning these things is to understand and remember, hey, I'm with this team. It means this formation and this alignment. Okay. That, I, you know, personally, that makes journeyman QBs, like for me particularly, like uh, a Ryan Fitzpatrick or somebody like that, that makes it that much more impressive to me that he can travel to all these teams and, you know, get all of this information. It's, it's quite, quite impressive. Yeah, that and your great point there. And that's why a lot of backup quarterbacks are able to have really long careers. And you ever notice, right? It's always certain guys. You brought up journeymans, but it's, you know, Andy Dalton, Fitzpatrick's done it. Um, there's a lot of guys that play and they play a long time and they're always backups. And like, like the well, castles how does, are, you know. Exactly. And it's, you know, some fans wonder, well, how does this guy still play? And he never plays. Well, the reason is because he's smart enough and coaches know he's smart enough and with it enough to handle formations and concepts changing from team to team and pick up on it very quickly. And that's so valuable in a backup because you just want a guy, if you have a backup who can go in there and run your offense and not just totally screw it up. So that's why those guys are so valuable. So let's break this down a little bit further. So we, we got the South, right, which is the formation mm -hmm. South, right, or South, right clamp. And now we're getting in three jet or I guess three jet. Why is that a, a nomenclature in itself? Or do we break that down even further? So so it's three jet. So that three is a direction of the protection. So this play is actually a little truncated. It's a little cut off. So what really the play will look like would be like South right 303 uh, wide branch bow. And the reason they only say three here is because that's the direction of the protection. So there's always going to be a direction of a protection, even if it's man on man. For more information about protections, check out our video where we talk about three, four versus four, three defenses. I won't go too much into it here. But the big thing here is that whatever the protection is called, so a protection is going to be pretty simple. It's going to be a number like 100, 200, 300, or 400. So 100 may be man-on-man, -man, 200 may be slide, and 300 may be a fan-out, and 400 may be a fan-in. So in this case, let's say it's a man-on-man, -man, it's a 100. So they're calling 103. That means the running back is checking to the left because all the offensive linemen are man-on-man, -man, like you see here. So 103 jet would be the call here. So 100 would say, hey, offensive lineman, you know, man on man. The three is saying, hey, running back, you're checking to the left. You're helping to the left. And the jet, in combination with the rest of the protection, uh, is sort of an indicator where the quarterback's going to be. It'll tell you the drop. So a jet under center 
would be a five-step drop, for example. A jet under gun may be a one-step drop because he's already a shotgun. He's already back a, a number of yards at the snap. Okay, that all makes sense. And then, obviously, uh, why? What would the why be? Is the why saying that the why is the branch route? Yeah, so what it is, so it's why branch bow. So why branch bow is the way to look at it. So I hit it on a little bit earlier, but receivers have nomenclature X, Y, Z. And this goes back from the, you know, the Paul Brown days of the 1950s, Sid Gilman days, the 1960s of, of modern offensive football. And basically what that is, is the X receiver is always going to be on the left. The Z receiver is always going to be on the right. And the Y receiver is in between them. So it goes, you know, X, Y, uh, X, Z, Y. So what this is saying is that the Y receiver, which in this case is the tight end, it's also the slot receiver sometimes, um, is running the branch route. And so Y branch. And that means, hey, in this formation, south right, the Y receiver is on the right. So the branch combination is going to be the Y receiver, uh, the Y <laughs> receiver running the branch with the Z receiver clearing out. And then the bow concept obviously has to go the opposite. So that's going to be the F or the slot running the bow concept with the X receiver running the uh, the 12 yard and breaking route in front of it. And then this so other that, play is kind of just flipped. We see that the F branch F receiver is running the branch route. And like you said, if F is on the one side, the bow is going to be on the other side. So you have the Y receiver running the, uh, the bow or arrow route. Exactly. And you'll also notice the protection is now two jet and which direction is the running back going, going the opposite direction. So it's that, it's just like you said, it's just a flip, a little change in the, obviously a change in the formation, but a change in the direction of the play as well. Now this, this was very interesting, but I would say, and you may agree, this is a relatively simple play call. They kind of get more complex than this. Are you ready to move on to something a little bit more complex? Yeah, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. So up next, we have our branch buffalo concept. So let's, uh, let's, let's break down this nomenclature, but first let's break down the concept. What is the branch buffalo concept? So the branch is the exact same concept before. It's the outbreaking route with the clear out in front of it. So you can see on the left and on for the play on the left, the branch is on the left and the play on the right, the branch is on the right. And you still see the same clear out the vertical on the sideline with the branch behind it. The Buffalo concept is just a different concept. And, and the reason players plays get this name is just, for example, the Buffalo bills may have ran this play for 20 years in the eighties or something like that. And that's what they call it, gotcha. right? You'll, you'll see plays being called Dallas or you'll see plays being called Pittsburgh or something just because, you know, the, the Cowboys may have ran that play a thousand times in the seventies and coaches just started calling it that, you know, that that's just the vernacular just comes out of nowhere. There's no real rhyme or reason for it. Usually it's just what sticks, right? These are, these are football coaches. They're far from the most creative people in the world. So whatever gets used just kind of sticks and that's what they roll with. So the Buffalo concept to get back to the play is essentially designed to kind of be an option route for that receiver. And it's designed to work on both a one safety and two safety look, and it's an option between the two. And you can kind of see on the screen there. So if it's a two safety look, even though you can't see the defense, you notice how the route and you see this in the dash line is more straight up the field. That's because if you have two safeties, you have one on each hash. So you want to stay for the inside receiver vertical between the safeties when you run this Buffalo route. If the safety, if there's one safety in the middle, you want to run more wider to stay across that safety to kind of get in front of them to, to go where the open space is. So that's kind of the concept, right? Always go to the open space. And then the other side of the Buffalo concept is you see the slant underneath it. 
So really the way it works is you have, you're looking for the Buffalo first, but if the defense, if they're playing a zone and they drop really deep to cut it off, you have that slant working behind it. Now, you see that there on the right, that slant kind of working behind it. Yes. The yep. Z, the Z receiver is running yes. the slant. Now exactly. This, this F receiver right here on both plays, really the pick curl route. Why is it split into two different routes? It looks like, is this just another option? I guess. Are you talking about the dash line or yes, the dash line. So it depends on the coverage, right? So you see how the, the hard line there, it, it kind of has that little, those two little equal signs or that equal sign there. And that's, that's kind of setting a pick. So if it's man coverage, you know, he's working right to the angle of where he thinks the defender covering the Z is going to run. So he's going to try and get in his way to open up that slant route. If it's not man or the defense is really backed off, he works more vertical up the field. So think of it the same thing as the branch, right? If it's his own coverage, he's working straight up the field to clear out for the slant behind him. If it's man, he's working more towards the defender who's covering the slant. Okay, that's very interesting. Now, so now that we get a good idea of what we're working with concept wise. This this one's one of my favorites. I like I like this nomenclature here. Let's let's break this down. So the play call is trips right nasty H left out two scat X branch buffalo. I like the trips right nasty. Nasty sounds cool to me. So what does all this mean? So so trips right is just same, what San Francisco calls a formation when you have uh, the wide receiver, the Y receivers, the tight end, the Z receivers on the right, and your F receiver or your number four receiver is also on the right. There's three guys there, trips, triple, right. So it's pretty simple there. Uh, nasty H left out. So this is what I talked about before, how after the formation, they're always going to show like a motion or a shift. So nasty motion is just what it's called when the running back goes in motion. So here in this case, uh, the running back is going to go in motion like he's going up to the line of scrimmage and then work to the sideline slowly. Couldn't tell you why it's called a nasty motion. It just is. It's because the play is going to be nasty. Yeah. I get, yeah. So I, again, I told you these coaches are, are really creative types. They're not exactly a really, really articulate deep thinkers with some of the, the jargon here, but the left out part is just to say, Hey, or the out part. So the H nasty left nasty is the motion. We watch the line of scrimmage. He's going left and out just says, Hey, go all the way to the outside. You know, you can do nasty motion where you stop at different points along the way. So that out tag just says, hey, go all the way to the sideline. Because remember, he's clearing out for the branch route. That's his job. So you have trips right nasty, uh, H left out. So that's the motion. Two scat, we already talked about. Protections to the right, and that's the depth of the quarterback's drop. And then you have X branch buffalo. So that's, again, the combination behind it. Okay. X as we already realized, the X receiver is going to be the branch route. And then on the other side, we will have the buffalo route the route yeah. combination and on this other play y is the branch route and on the opposite side of the field will be the buffalo combination yeah so a couple of things i want to hit on here real quick is this obviously sounds like a lot of jargon and it you know maybe it's confusing for a lot of listeners trying to like look how do the players keep up with this and the answer is a lot of them screw it up it's it's one of those things it's not really talked about too much because it's not a great uh great talking point in the football analysis world, but I would wager to bet that one out of every 10 plays, maybe even more, is just a total bust, either on the offense or the defense, someone screws up. You have some receivers who think I'm the X here or I'm the Z here, they get them swamped and they run the wrong route. And, and usually you don't really, what usually it happens, you don't really see this too much is the quarterback will see it. And when you sometimes when you see a quarterback really quickly go to a check down, 
that a lot of times is because someone screwed up. Either the quarterback screwed up, he, he misread the play or, or didn't read it right, or the receiver screwed up. He looks up, he's expecting to see a branch route, and instead he sees a buffalo from that guy. He's like, all right, this is totally screwed up. Let me get the ball out of my hands, get it to the check down, and move on with my life. That explains yeah. what happened in the Buffalo-Jacksonville game last week. Everyone must have screwed up every play. You know, you'd be really surprised that you see it sometimes out of young quarterbacks when they try and, you know, because a lot of times with younger quarterbacks, the coaches will simplify the game plan and they'll really condense it. So a lot of times the quarterbacks will look, all right, number one's not there. Number two is not there. And they'll get kind of worried and they'll, they'll quickly check it down or, or they'll misread it or even worse, they're not sure. So a lot of defense will try and dis, dis, uh, disguise their coverages. So you see the two safety and one safety look. Well, a lot of times what defenses will do is they'll line up in one safety and then they'll drop the safety back at the snap. So it'll shift to a two safety look or something like that, or vice versa. They'll line up with two safeties and bring one up at the snap like that. And that confuses the heck out of quarterbacks sometimes. And when they see that, they'll freak out. They'll hit the check down just to move on with their lives and get on to the next play. Well, that is very interesting. And I'm, I'm liking this. So we had a couple more combinations. We got a but we should move away from the branch. We've we've touched on branch too much. All right. Uh, our next combination we have up, double scout spread sneak. What are your thoughts on this play? How does this one strike your fancy? So this one is, again, there's two things I want to hit on first, I guess. is Again, it's a trips right, so it's the same formation as the other play. Uh, but the difference here is obviously everything else in the play. But I'm going to start with the fact it's three jet uh scout f uh three jet so again it's a it's a different kind of uh protection right it's a different kind of concept uh it tells the offensive line where they're gonna where the quarterback's gonna be what direction to go so you see the running back there's no motion this time on the previous play there was motion so uh there's no call the motion there's just the running back is just checking and then uh sneaking out of the back you see it in the play call but the big thing here is double scout so this double scout concept is a double fade so what this is designed to do is have both receivers run up the sidelines and outside release. This is a really good play against cover two. I won't go into too much what a cover two is. Uh, the big concept is that there's two big holes in a cover two, up the sidelines and up the middle. So what the quarterback is looking here is at the snap, he, you know, he kind of sees what option he prefers, and he's looking right there at these two fade routes, these two double scout routes really, really quick. If it's more man coverage, he's definitely throwing more of the back shoulder stop route if it's a zone cover two, which means the corners are going to stick closer to the line of scrimmage, he's going to try and hit this fade. Again, it's a great route in that look if he has a receiver who can make a play down the sideline and the quarterback has a great arm. The secondary option here, and this is why it's such a good play, is that a lot of teams in this situation, if, the, if you have two safeties deep and they kind of have to cover deep and work out to these fades, right? So you got two fades and you got two safeties, they got to run out there to cover. That opens up the middle for deep passes. So that middle linebacker, has to get depth. He's got to get back and get back fast. Teams understand that, so they run this Y route underneath here. You see, uh, well, it's, they, they call this uh, the spread sneak route here. So you have the combination, you have this F route run over the middle and then work out. And the quarterback, the moment he goes over the middle, is, is looking for him to turn around and get him the ball pretty quickly to let him run, you know, catch it in stride to try and get as much yards as possible out of this play. So this is kind of one of those really uh, – really, really good plays and gives the quarterback a lot of options. He either has the, uh, the cover two, the two scout receive the two scout routes, the two fade routes on the sideline right away. He has the, uh, uh, this, the, uh, spread route coming short underneath. And he also has the dig route, right? That's the deep route that the uh, middle linebacker has got to get depth on in case the middle linebacker really screws the pooch and stays close to the line of scrimmage. He has that route over the top. 
more than likely it's going to be covered. So he's going to probably hit that spread short route and let him run after the catch if the fades aren't open. So it just seems, uh, basically, you're either going to hit your double scouts or you're going to sneak the spread route in there. Yeah, so it, exactly. And again, you have the dig route, which is that 12, I guess they call it a basic cross and 49er lexicon. I call it a dig. They call it a basic uh, that's just, again, a lot of times they'll have uh, in the place, they'll have things in there to tell the quarterback, you know, Hey, don't let the defense off the hook. If that middle linebacker screws the pooch in a two safety look, and he doesn't get depth, throw it over his head for a big play. And that's exactly what you're seeing there. And sometimes you'll get those chances. A lot of times you won't, especially if you play a good defense. So you're forced to hit this, you know, this spread route, this slot route here, but again, it's still a good play because if everybody's getting depth and you throw a good ball to this receiver, He's got a lot of room to run after the catch and make a pretty good yardage. Now, back in my day when I played Madden, my optimal cover two beater would be hitting Dennis Pitta on the seam. That's typically the play I would like to run. So that's just, you know, for anyone's wondering. But So, so yeah, yeah. this is a great point. So in Madden, obviously, that middle linebacker, whoever's got to cover that, that seam, that middle area, he's constrained by the game. In, in real life, that's why that middle linebacker has to fly because that's where teams are looking, you know, to try and get something quick and easy. So that's why that middle linebacker has got to fly and bail and get depth. Otherwise that seam, like you said, is wide open. Now on this other side, there's a little bit, and I hear this, this, we're going to get crazy. Okay. I'm going to try to break this one down. Let's see how well I've been paying attention. Okay. So this, this one is a little crazy. So uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll get it right. Maybe I'm not, but so we have the play call would be fly. Bunch, right, nasty, three jet, double scout, F spread, sneak. So I've been paying attention to what you've been saying. So I have fly, bunch, right. So I'm thinking the that's just kind of what they call this bunch, right, with uh formation here on the right is a fly, bunch, right. Yep, that's a fly, bunch package, and it's to the right. So the bunch, fly, bunch, right. So the bunch is to the right. Yep. Now we have my favorite nasty motion. The Y receiver is going to motion into that bunch. Is that yep. we're good so far? Yep, you're right on the money. Uh, three jet is our protection. Mm-hmm. So we got three jet. Then we've got our double scout routes. And then we have the spread sneak. With the, uh, the Y that's nasty motioning over is going to hit the... Uh, the linebacker tester, we'll call it the, the basic. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And the, the one thing that's a little different here about this play is you'll notice uh, that the, the, uh, the scout route here looks more like an out route. And that's just because the receivers are closer to the line of scrimmage. Again, this is a route combination designed to test the sidelines down the field primarily. So even though the receivers are closer together, they still want to work to the sideline. That's where the quarterback's looking to go with the football. Now, one quick question I have here. Yep. When we look at the X and Y receiver here, uh, when the motion happens, are they trading spots on the line of scrimmage? Correct. So the X receiver starts off the football. The Y receiver start. Uh, the Y receiver starts on the football. The nasty motion is having him back up and you know, uh, motion across the field. Because you have to have a certain number of players on the line of scrimmage, number one, and number two, your offensive linemen always have to be covered up, which means that a receiver, an eligible receiver, has to be on the line of scrimmage. Uh, 
between the line of scrimmage and uh, between the sideline and the line of scrimmage. So right here that at first it's that Y receiver, right? He's on the, uh, he's on the line of scrimmage covering up that tackle. Well, the moment he backs up to do a nasty motion, that X receiver has to step up. Otherwise that's an illegal formation. That's a five yard penalty. Interesting. So the, can the X receiver step up immediately or does he have to wait for the motion to stop? So uh, he can step up immediately, but he has to be completely set because you can't have two players in motion at the time of the snap. You can have one player in motion, which is what the nasty is as he's working across in motion. I don't think he's going to get set there because if he was going to get set, you'd see another circle there where he ends up. He's nastying across, which means he doesn't get set. So at the snap, he's still working laterally before he works up the field to run his route. But that X receiver, you see that circle, right? That means he has to be set immediately after the uh, the motion begins because you can't have two guys in motion at the snap. That's another five-yard penalty. All right. Now, I think these this was a great-looking play. I kind of I like it. I like, uh, like it's a good cover two beaters, what it seems like. But let's move on to our last play that we have set up for today, the skid option. So this is a great play that every team in the NFL runs some variant of. Um, and I'm going to get hit right into the pass combination because I'm a big fan of this. So you see skid, right? Skid is skinny post. So that means a not a when you say skinny post, a post route, you're normally working, you know, seven yards and then to the goal post. That's why they call it a post. This one's skinnier. So instead of working seven yards to the goal post, you're more working seven yards into the upright, you know, you're keeping instead of going really wide with the post you're keeping it narrow. So you're working more up the field. So this is 100% on the quarterback to read this. So you sit here and see the two, the two skids, the two skinny posts, you know, if it, if there's a one safety, which means the single safety in the middle of the field, they want to go to one of these skinny posts, obviously, because if the safety's in the middle of the field, that area is wide open where that skinny post is going. Now, if there's two safeties, they're obviously going to be lined up exactly where those skinny posts are going. But remember what we talked about, if there's two safeties and they're splitting the middle of the field, what does that middle linebacker have to do? Fly, got to get depth. So what does that open up? That Y option route right over the middle of the field, right over the football. There is nothing more infuriating to a fan. You know, I've seen this a lot of times where it's third and five, third and eight, whatever down in distance, and the defense runs a cover two and a team runs some variant of the, you know, the skid Y option where the middle linebacker has to fly because they've got two deep safeties. And then the quarterback takes the snap after two seconds. He just throws the ball five yards in front of him. It seems like right over his face to a wide open Y receiver, usually a tight end who gets 12 yards in a first down. You see this all the time. You ever wonder why someone's wide open over the football? It's usually because of a concept like this where they're running two deep safeties and that middle linebacker has to fly. So this, this short little option route over the middle is wide open. It happens all the time. Frustrates the living heck out of me, especially when it's against my team because it's, it's like, come on, guys, don't make it this easy. Try and make it harder for the offense. All right. Now, uh, one thing I want to touch on here. I'm trying to read these names, trying to get all of this uh, figured out. But on this, on number one, it says strong right book, three jet skid Y option. We got the skid Y option. We know the three jet is the protection. We know yep. strong right is the play because they have four people on the right side of the field, the strong side of the field versus the, the weak side of the field. But mm -hmm. the book, I, I was thinking maybe it was a motion. Because there is a motion on number two, but maybe that's why left. 
Yep, that's why left. So why left so, is the motion. So what's book? So book is a formation. Um, it's just what they call it, um, where you have the fullback. Is it's not an I formation. So traditional I, you have, obviously have the quarterback and the fullback and the halfback lined up in a vertical line behind center. You know, the eye looks like an eye. That's why they call it eye formation. A book, the way the 49ers call it, is when the fullback is off center behind one of the guards. Gotcha. So here you have strong right. So the strong tells you where the tight end is going to be. And then you have book, which tells you that the fullback is off centered. Okay. That makes so sense. It was, so I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I misspoke there. So the strong right tells you where the fullback is going to be. So it's strong right. The fullback is on the right. If it's weak right, uh, that means... Uh, the fullback is on the left. So it's kind of a little weird to say you think it would be strong right or strong left, but usually they don't, they don't try and keep, they, they, they try and focus on uh, keeping the directions fairly simple and just people line up based on the, the verbiage of the call. So strong right means fullback and tight end are on the same side here on the right. Weak right means the tight ends by himself on the right, the fullbacks on the left. Okay. No, that's probably really confusing. That's just how the, again, that's how the 49ers call it. Go to any other team, they may call it something completely different. All right. Any last word you want to talk about? Skid option. Yeah, so just one little thing here. You see those, uh, those hashtags for all you yes. youngins out there next to those receivers. So that's telling them these receivers line up inside the numbers. So normally receivers line up a little outside the numbers, wide receivers. Because it's a skinny option, they don't want to get too wide. Because if you get too wide, that means it takes you a long time to work skinnier up the field. So they want these guys to be closer to the uh, to the where the quarterback is at the snap. So inside the numbers, work out a little bit, so that gives them plenty of space to cut in for those skinny uh, those skinny posts, those skid routes. Okay. Very interesting. Very interesting. I think that was really good. I. What do you think about doing like a defensive playbook install one of these days? Yeah, I, th I think that would be really good. I think getting into the coverages and things like that would be big. And, you know, ag again, this sounds like a lot of, you know, verbiage and a lot of lexicon, a lot of strategy and stuff that goes into it. And it, it obviously is a good bit. But the important thing to understand here is that this is all essentially day one stuff. None of this is really, really hard or complex. You know, we all have jobs. We all have different jargon and lexicon and processes we have to follow at work at the office and things like that this is the exact same thing for football players so even though it sounds like really really confusing and really strange and, and kind of what the heck are they, they have to think of all this stuff they have to remember all this the reality is this is beating your head day one all of the time it becomes just a second language you become fluent in it you know it's, it's players that can't pick up on it get cut pretty pretty quickly like this is just a really day, you know, normal day-to-day -day operation stuff, learning these, these kind of funky little jargons and sets and, and, and verbiage that, that uh, relate to the plays and the, uh, the schemes every week. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, though, Nick. Uh, one way we could look at it is, so obviously, strong right book, weak right book, those are the play calls, okay? And everybody probably needs to know what the formation is going to be. But if you're an offensive lineman, you don't really need to know skid Y option or Y left. You just need to know the three jet protection, correct? Yeah. So normally what will happen is, you know, no huddle situation. You made a great point. So you'll see the, the, the quarterback will tell the receivers he'll have a hand motion. So that's say skid Y option is, is this. So he'll look to the receivers and say, Hey, skid Y option, skid Y option. So everyone knows what the play is. And then he'll go up to line of scrimmage and go three jet, three jet, three jet, three jet. 
right? And then back up because there's no huddle trying to be quick. So he'll only tell the offensive line and what they need to know and then signal to the receivers and the running backs what the rest of the play is. So, so there's all. parts. You don't have you don't necessarily need to remember all of the play call. You just need to know your part. That's a big part of it. It helps to learn the rest of it, to be honest, because you kind of get a high-level view and a, and a picture of it. But really, on a to the basic fundamentals, no, you just need to know your specific play. Okay. Or your part in the play. And I'm I'm also my brain's working thinking. I think this is really good. Maybe we'll work on a running install one of these weeks. Some option plays, stuff like that. I think that would be very interesting to break down as well. But nonetheless, I think that was very good. But that now I think it's time for us to get into our games of the week what do you think about that i think it's great i mean i can talk plays all day but that's let's talk the games that's the fun stuff you want to you want to get us going with with uh with the one you want to start with and i'll then I'll, I'll chime in all right i will uh bust us into our uh, afc matchup of the week we have the browns versus the patriots we'll we'll pull up our gut check uh leaderboard so far uh let's let's pull this up and uh, let, here, let's uh, you want to check our records so far, Nick? Yeah, let's do it. Let's see where we stand. So currently, I'm fifty and thirty-eight, and you are fifty-three and thirty-five. So you got a a three-game lead on me. But I uh, I might try to go. You know, I I got to get some ground back somehow. So we'll we'll see what happens. But our first game of the week: Browns versus Patriots. Very interesting game. Uh, Odell Beckham, no longer with the Browns. As of this point in time of us filming this, he has not decided to sign anywhere. A potential landing spot I have heard is the New England Patriots, the Saints, the Packers. All options. Um, That, that would be very interesting. So I, I give a caveat here. If Odell signs with the Patriots, I think that gives the Browns a little edge in this game. But at this point in time... He has not. So, you know, it could be a little revenge game. But this matchup is very interesting. The Browns are coming off a big win against kind of a letdown game for Cincy. Uh, they, they've been in a little two-game spiral here. They haven't been playing great football uh, since they beat Baltimore. Uh, this is kind of the curse. You can't beat us and live to tell the tale. We're going to we're gonna take you out somehow. But Cleveland, uh, they, they played a pretty good game last week. Patriots have played a good string of games coming here. Uh, Mac Jones is playing, like, to me personally, clear-cut offensive rookie of the year caliber. I don't even think he has competition at this point. Um, He is just head over heels above everyone else, and it just stinks because the Patriots seem to have gotten their guy for the future, and no one really likes to see that after we just thought we got rid of Tom Brady we no longer have to worry about the Patriots dynasty. They have what done, what dynasties do. They have been reborn. So, this game is all about matchups. The Browns have a very good defense. They have a pretty good offense. But, at the helm, they have, we all know, my favorite player, Baker Mayfield. And I think that's a really big knock for them. The, the Patriots... They're getting more and more um, cohesive on defense. Very, very cohesive on offense. And they have Mac Jones, a young prodigy at the quarterback behind the helm. And I think these teams are going to match up pretty evenly. 
but I think Mac Jones gives the New England Patriots an edge over the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I mean, it's the game's in Foxborough, and as I've said for years, funky stuff happens when teams go up to Foxborough, especially now it's November. The weather gets cold. The weather gets crappy. Weird things happen. I hate, you know, when Dallas obviously doesn't have to play in Foxborough a lot, but when they do, weird things happen. You know, we've seen all kind of funky, weird things just go on with Bill Belichick when he has control of that stadium and that environment. You know, Bill Belichick has done a really good job against heavy running teams. I mean, you remember uh, how he played Baltimore last year, how they kind of shut down and restricted Lamar Jackson, that running game, and a big game last year, late, later in the year. Um, he, already, he already did a, a, a pretty good job this year uh, when, uh, uh, when, he, uh, when they played Dallas, played him pretty good, shut, then shut down Elliott, but contained him did a pretty solid job against him. You know, I think he has that same kind of mindset against Cleveland. Obviously they're a very heavy running team this week. And, and you mentioned the Matt Jones versus Baker Mayfield matchup. Look, I don't think it's going to be much of a matchup because I don't think either team's going to throw the ball very much. Both defenses are really, really good at defending the pass. Uh, the Browns are more about the pass rush. New England's more about that secondary making big plays led by JC Jackson and defensive backfield. Incredible. You know, this, oh, absolute ball hawk. You, you know, it's the turnovers that are, that are lurking behind the scenes. I don't think Browns are going to trust Mayfield. And I think the Patriots are going to want to make sure Mac Jones doesn't get killed. I think it's going to depend on what quarterback protects the ball better. And, and Baker's been wildly inconsistent. You know, he has one good game and one bad game. You know, he played terrible against Arizona uh, comes back when the Cleveland plays better against uh, Denver without him. Then he plays terrible against Pittsburgh. Baker does and has a great game against Cincinnati. I think he's due for a bad game as, as a, uh, as strange as that may, may sound not really analytical too much there, but I, I, I just think Baker Mayfield is just, just ready for really poor performance. I, I think he's got a few turnovers coming his way, let, uh, courtesy of that Patriots defense. And, and listen, I mean, anytime you go up to the great state of Massachusetts, trademark pending, uh, I think it's a tough place to play, and I'm, I'm going New England in this matchup. So I'm, I'm going to put you down for New England with me. I think that's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a great game to watch. But uh, I think if Baker turns the ball over, it could get ugly quickly. So let's just see how that turns out. Uh, what is our second game this week, Nick? So, so this is you know primetime 430 America's Game of the Week on Fox. This is the Seattle Seahawks going to the Green Bay Packers. Russell Wilson has that metal pin removed from his thumb and Aaron Rodgers is right now. It seems to be on track, ready to play. It'll be a heck of a matchup. Wilson and Rodgers return Seahawks desperately need a win. Uh, Green Bay Packers looking to come back from that ugly loss against Kansas city with Jordan love behind the helm last week. I tell you what, this sounds like a massive Rodgers revenge. Screw you game. Uh, coming up this Sunday. Do you feel the same way, or or do you think Seattle has a chance? Oh, yeah. I think Rodgers has a lot to play for currently. I think uh, he, he's been disrespected in the media a lot. I think he he feels like people were talking pretty highly of Jordan Love when they had no idea what they have. Now they saw what they have. Uh, he wants to let them know, you know, hey, I'm the reigning NFL MVP. I have all the potential to become NFL MVP again this season back to back that would be crazy but uh don't disrespect me and i'm gonna show you why you think uh you think this team has a chance against us they don't i think this has the the makings to get ugly another thing i am worried about russell wilson was slated to miss much more time than this 
He's coming back, in my opinion, pretty early. I'm obviously not a doctor, and I haven't seen how he's been healing, so I could be completely wrong. But I think this rush back could be not a good look for the Seahawks. Uh, I, I look to for Russell to have a bad game here, uh, and I looked for Aaron and the Green Bay Packers to just absolutely go off. Yeah, it, I agree with you. It seems a little rushed. I think this was more Wilson realizing that their defense, Seattle's, you know, very, very porous defenses can't win them big games down the stretch against quality offenses like the ones Green Bay has. You know, speaking of Green Bay's offense, you know, we talk about Rodgers, obviously, but how about A.J. Dillon? The guy is 300-pound thighs, it looks like, and no one can tackle him. Back-to-back big games against Arizona and against Kansas City. That dude is a load, and Green Bay is going to feed him against that porous Seattle run defense. I, you know, one other factor in this game, you know, it's not official yet, but all pro left tackle David Bakhtiari has been activated from the physical, physically unable to perform list, and he's eligible to play Sunday. Nothing official yet will probably be a game time decision. But if he suits up to protect Aaron Rodgers' blind side and to add them that extra benefit in the run game, watch out. This game may already look pretty ugly. It's going to get even uglier if Bakhtiari plays. I definitely agree. Uh, moving on to my game of the week, I have selected the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Denver Broncos. Philly's had a couple good games recently. Uh, as their coach has said, uh, they have sown the seeds, they've manured the fields, and now they're getting the blossoms of their returns. But the Broncos had a pretty good game last week against the Dallas Cowboys. They showed that they may have some stuff. They can do some things. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is back, and he's he's doing his thing. Uh, this is going to be a very interesting game against two evenly matched skill-wise teams, I think. But I'm sticking with my guns, Nick. The Von Miller curse is real. I am picking the Denver Broncos to win this game. What say you? So there's two things um, I always look out for picks. Does a, a team coming off a big win and a team coming off a really bad loss. And Denver obviously got a huge win. They clobbered Dallas all the phases of the game in Dallas last week. You know, I, I think they may be riding a little high. This is a Denver team that's solid, but they're not great. I, I think this is potentially a step back for Denver. Um, I think Philly's offense and that running game led by Jalen Hurts at the quarterback is starting to get a little bit better. And, and look, we talked about earlier in the show how coaches usually usually aren't articulate. Uh, you know, Philadelphia's guy right there, Sian, Sirianni, he sounds like he's pretty articulate with all the flowers, manure references. I kind of I like that little bit of a little interesting take at the coach position. I don't know how good he is, the coach, to be honest, first year. They're three and five, so not really that good, I guess. But I, I really think that Denver, they played kind of their all-time best game in a lot of ways against Dallas last week. A lot of things broke their way. And, and Jalen Hurts, that running quarterback that Philly has, he is such a, just an X factor because he's, he's not Kyler Murray because he's a little stronger. You know, he's not Lamar Jackson either. He's just not as fast as Lamar, but he's, he's a very powerful runner. He has the ability to make some big plays. Devontae Smith, their rookie wide receiver, Philly's starting to get a little more involved in that offense. They had a real chance to beat L.A., the L.A. Chargers last week. I think Philly surprises some people here. I think Denver is maybe riding a little bit high. Like I said, a, a team coming off a big win usually regress a little bit. I think they do. I think Philly shocks some people. I'm gonna I'm gonna go the Eagles here. All right. 
Uh, and on to your game of the week. Yeah, so this is uh, another thing I was talking about, right? So we have the New Orleans Saints and the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans coming off a big win against Los Angeles Rams last Sunday night in L.A. You know, this was without Derrick Henry. A lot of people, myself included, thought this was going to be a really, really bad loss. Instead, they come out behind the strength of that defense, picking off Stafford twice, one for a touchdown, the other one basically for a touchdown. They returned it to the two-yard line with a double-digit comfortable win against the Los Angeles Rams, one of the best teams in the NFL. Again, good team coming off a big win, still some regression to the mean. The Saints, they're a quality football team. They have a good defense. Simeon, for all of the concerns about him, has done pretty well. He beat Tom Brady off the bench, and he scored 25 against Atlanta. That's not bad at all for a guy who is probably their third uh, option at quarterback behind Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill coming into the year. I think Simeon continues to grow in that offense, and the Titans, they can't expect to get two picks, essentially two pick sixes, every single week. That was essentially the difference in the game against the Rams. I think Tennessee regresses a little bit. I think that New Orleans defense shuts down that injured running game of Tennessee and Tannehill can't have a big game. I like Marcus Lattimore, all pro corner for the Saints to do a number on A.J. Brown, the Pro Bowl wide receiver for Tennessee. I like Lattimore in that matchup. I'm picking New Orleans to win this game. It's going to be an ugly game, low scoring game. I'm thinking 20 to 10. 17 to 10, maybe something like that. But I think New Orleans surprises some people, and I think they beat the Titans. I'll follow you on that one. And I think uh, Taysom Hill is back. He, he had two good passes last week. He threw for about 30 yards. Um, I think the Saints, they, they've caught a lot of good teams. You know, they can, they can catch you, and if they catch you early, they get a good lead. They can really capitalize on that. That's something they've been doing very well this season. Um. So I would agree with you. Uh, the, the Saints are primed for a big win here. And like you said, regression and loss. I think uh, Titans pulled out all the stops last week and that uh, might come back to bite them this week. Yeah, just because at a certain point, obviously a big win for the Titans against the Rams. You can't get two pick sixes every week to win a game. I mean, it's just not going to happen. You may get one. You may, you, know, you may get a couple turnovers, but you're not realistically – going to just get all of those breaks every week against good teams it's, it's just not going to happen it's too hard and and i don't think it happens this week against uh the saints for the tennessee titans i think they lose all right we're now into our gut check section are you ready nick is your let's gut feeling it. good gut feeling good let's get after it man game pick time let's go all right uh the beginning of this week we both picked baltimore to beat the miami dolphins uh, we both have just selected the Saints to beat the Tennessee Titans. Next up, Buffalo Bills at New York Jets. What do you got? So I got the Bills coming off a bad loss. The Jets uh, playing a little bit better, but they're hurt at quarterback. Mike White's supposed to be coming back. I think the Bills feel really upset at how they lost to Jacksonville. I think they beat uh, the Jets uh, here, but I think this game is going to be pretty close. Mike White was playing good before he got hurt. I agree with you here. I, I don't see Buffalo losing this game, but there's no way uh, that New York's going to roll over. I think they've gotten some life in them the last few weeks, and uh, I think they may put up a little bit of a fight, but Buffalo's, there's no way they lose this game. Yep. Next up, we have the Detroit Lions against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I made a bold claim about this game earlier in uh, this week's show. Uh, what do you have? I am 100% with you on this. The Detroit Lions have to get a win sometime. I don't know how the Steelers have won the last two weeks. They should have lost to Cleveland. Cleveland blew that. 
They should have lost to Chicago on Monday Night Football. The referee had a hit check. The uh, Chicago Bears linebacker Cassius Mars to give the Pittsburgh Steelers every opportunity they needed to win. That was an egregious. There's all kind of conspiracy theories flowing around because of that game. I don't think the NFL is going to allow Pittsburgh to get away with that again. I think Motor City Dan Campbell having his guys coming off the bye. I'm riding with you here. I'm going Detroit Lions upsetting the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's go Detroit here. That's what I'm talking about. And I make the claim I am riding with the Detroit Lions from here on out until they win a game. And But I think this is the week. I think this is the week that they win a game. Absolutely. Next up, Jacksonville Jaguars versus Indianapolis Colts. So the Jaguars probably feel like the best team in the world. They upset Buffalo. I think they have, again, a lot of regression towards the mean. I think they have another letdown performance back to their normal way of playing. I I think the Colts, after demolishing uh, the Jets uh, last week and losing a heartbreaker to Tennessee, they're playing better. Uh, I think they handle the Jaguars here. I would tend to agree with you. There's just uh, so much that happened last week. Uh, Only so high you can ride. And uh, I think the, the Colts are too good of a team to drop one to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I think Jacksonville is going to go in this one riding pretty high. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Washington football team. So veteran teams after a bye are brutal. Tampa Bay's veteran team, they had their bye last week. Washington's kind of had an up and down season. I think the Tampa Bay Bucks obliterate Washington. Tom Brady has a big day coming back from his disappointing loss uh, in New Orleans a couple weeks ago. I'm going Tampa. Washington just hasn't impressed me much lately this year. They had a couple big games uh, ever since uh, Heineke signed the deal with Bud Light. It's been all downhills from there. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely agreeing with you. Tom Brady and everybody's going to look incredible off the bye. Uh, they're going to come back in here. And I think he's going to put up his case again to try to challenge Robert Rogers for MVP this season. We both selected the Patriots to beat the Browns. Up next is a game for you, the Atlanta Falcons versus the Dallas Cowboys. Who do you have? So I'm going to go Dallas here. Uh, bias aside, I think, again, another regression towards the mean. Dallas played absolutely terrible last week. I think they played better this week. But Atlanta, Atlanta's kind of a you know, a mystery. They played, they beat New Orleans last week, big win for them, but they had a let down the week before. They just, they're inconsistent. You know, I think they have a lot of talent. You know, Cordell Patterson's had a great year. Pitts is coming on strong. I think this is a high scoring game. I think it's close, but I think Dallas ekes it out here and gets back to their winning ways. Yeah. I'm going to go with you here. I don't think uh, Jerry Jones is going to allow Dallas to lose this week. Uh, he, he came out and stated about how they came into this week too overconfident, and that is why they lost to the Broncos. I don't think he hap- he's going to get in there. He's going to be in the installs. He's going to be in the meetings. He's going to make sure these guys have their heads locked on straight. Uh, I, I don't see that Dallas loses this game, and I go so far as to say I see Dallas has a pretty big comeback game. Yeah, can you imagine Jerry in the meetings? I tell you what, boys, I don't want to see no branch bow. Go deep. Come on, Dak. All four verts, every all, play. All four verts, just CD, like we did back in the old fields. I bought you for a reason, you know. CD, Amari, we got you guys on this team for a reason. Just go. Just run. Let those legs loose. So, next up, Carolina Panthers versus the Arizona Cardinals. Question, do you know if Kyler Murray is slated to be back this week or no? 
question. Do you think it really matters? Probably not. Probably not. The way Colt McCoy played and that Arizona played against San Francisco last week and the issues that Carolina's had, whether Donald plays or not, I think Carolina keeps uh, Carolina loses. Arizona keeps rolling. They're really impressive. All right. I would agree with you there. That, uh, that was a rhetorical question, but, uh, you know, Colt McCoy, Kyler Murray, doesn't matter. Like we said earlier this week, Arizona is strong whether Kyler is there or not. Any quarterback can really come into that system with all of those studs and do well. Uh, next up here, we have Minnesota Vikings versus the San Diego Chargers. This is, or excuse me, Los Angeles Chargers. This is in Los Angeles. Travel game for the Vikings. Uh, does this make a difference? So Los Angeles Chargers have the worst home field advantage in the NFL. This will probably feel like a Minnesota home game. Uh, for a lot of the Chargers and Vikings players. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic. The weird thing about Minnesota is they have a losing record, but they play every game at like the wire. Dallas beat them at the end. Arizona beat at the end. uh, Baltimore beat them at the end. You know, every single game seems to come down to the final play. Cincinnati beat them in overtime. I think this game is going to follow that trend and be brutally close. But I think Herbert has a pretty good day against that Minnesota defense that allowed Cooper Rush to throw for over 300. Jackson, Lamar Jackson had a big day against him last week. I'm going the Chargers here. Uh, I'm going to have to get some lead here somehow. Uh, I got I to gotta distance myself, get, get my three games back. This is where I'm going to go bold. I'm going to say the Minnesota Vikings upset the L.A. Chargers here. I think the Vikings have a pretty decent defense. Uh, they, they've got some good guys up front. They've got some good guys in coverage. Uh, their linebacker core is very good with Anthony Barr uh, headlining. And the offense is not too bad. Uh, Dalvin Cook does have some trouble this week. Uh, it came out in the news uh, about some possible domestic assault charges. Was he the victim? Were they the victim? Nobody knows. But I think all of that internally... They're gonna. They're coming off of a, a real tough overtime loss to Baltimore. Uh, I think that they come back and uh, maybe show out a little bit this game. It's gonna be close, but I'm gonna pick the Vikings in a close one here. Next up, we both picked Green Bay Packers to defeat the Seattle Seahawks. We also have split. You have selected the Philadelphia Eagles. I am going with the Denver Broncos. Uh, we have the Kansas City Chiefs at the Las Vegas Raiders. This is a very, very interesting game, right? You have Kansas City that has looked awful the last four weeks, but they're 3-1. and one. You have the Raiders that somehow are kind of hanging around despite nothing but the worst off-the-field kind of issues that you can imagine. And the way it's going, it's probably going to get even worse with uh, potentially more things leaking, I'm sure, at some point related to the emails and Mark Davis and all of that. I, I, I really think I want to pick the Raiders here. I really do. I think the Chiefs have been playing really poorly. They've just been kind of skating by. I, I'm going to be aggressive. I think Derek Carr kind of rallies the troops a little bit and gets a big win. They lost to the Giants last week. They probably felt like they could have won that one. I think they return with a with a big then this a big win this week and uh, against a hated rival. And I think uh, the inconsistency of Kansas City continues. I'm going Vegas. I'm gonna double down on my try to distance myself, get some games back. Uh, I don't think there's many troops left to rally on the Las Vegas team. I think that team is pretty down in the dumps, and uh, they they already had their hot streak at the beginning of the season. Uh, I. 
I don't think Kansas City pulls it together by any means. I just think that the the Raiders are so far out of whack. I don't see them, you know, coming back anytime soon. Uh, so the Raiders, not, sorry, not to cut you off, but the, the Raiders did sign Deshaun Jackson, um, speedster, veteran speedster. Great team but, guy. A lot of really solid takes. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, I'm, I'm just excited to see Deshaun Jackson run by Daniel Sorensen maybe 25 times uh, this Sunday. And he may have 3,000 receiving yards if he gets to play against Daniel Sorensen. That's what I'm, I'm waiting to see. Very possible. Uh, lastly, our Monday night matchup for this week. The Los Angeles Rams versus the San Francisco 49ers. What do you got here? This is a division matchup, so these kind of games are always close. It's really hard to predict. The Rams are very, very weird because I, I feel like they're really, really good defensively, and their offense has you know, kind of been slogging a little bit the last couple of weeks, not playing up to par. But San Francisco has just kind of been in a rut. I, I think I got to go the Rams here. But, but part of me is thinking, you know, maybe San Francisco finds a little bit of that magic. But I, I just think the Rams have too much talent. This should be the first game Von Miller plays. I, maybe makes a little of impact. I'm, I'm not really sure. But I, I think the Rams have just too much firepower offensively, and they're too good defensively to lose back-to-back games. And I don't think Stafford, those two awful interceptions like he did against Tennessee, I'm going the Rams. I'm going to agree with you here. And a fun stat, this is number one and number two wide receivers in the NFL going up against each other in their uh, debut game against each other. We have Cooper Cup of the Los Angeles Rams. I think he's caught for over 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns this season. Very, very incredible stat. Uh, San Francisco 49ers Debo Samuel, he has gone for 880-ish yards, I believe. I think somewhere in the five touchdown range could be low, could be higher, like six, four, somewhere around there. But uh, two two really good receivers this season. But I think that the Rams have a little bit of an edge in this game. So do you th- if the 49ers lose, which we both picked them to, that would be three out of four losses for Shanahan and, the, and that team. Is uh, Shanahan going to find himself on the hot seat more and more if this losing uh, street keeps going. I, it, it's kind of hard to believe he isn't already, you know, with the way they've played this year. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if he is secretly on the hot seat and we don't already know. I saw some stats. He has a pretty atrocious record if you take out his Super Bowl season, but that's kind of like a hard thing to say. Like, yeah, if we take out Patrick Mahomes' Super Bowl seasons, he's not a great quarterback. I mean, he has two seasons and he went to the Super Bowl, but you can't take out people's best. Uh, seasons and say well if you look here and we take this away no but he's I think he is or will be on the hot seat yeah and I I, I think so and you know I uh, Colin Cowherd he's his show I'm a fan of his he talked a good lesson one time I think could could be applied here is you know you take out a, a player a coach's best year and their worst year and that's who they are well if, if last year was Shanahan's worst year and a Super Bowl year was his best year is this what Shanahan is? I, I don't know. I think it's it's a real question that needs to be asked uh, in 49er land. Yeah, that, very interesting, very interesting. But nonetheless, that is our gut check. These are our picks this week. Everybody can analyze this for a little bit more time. Uh, th- this is what we have selected. This is our body of work. Uh, looks to me where we got a three-game split here. If I c- convert on all of mine, I can come back to even with you, so... I'll either lose ground, gain ground, and come back even. So you never know. 
<laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. You'll either, uh, yeah, those are, those are only three things that can happen. So yeah, one of those three things will, will certainly happen. All right. Well, Nick, that's it. That is our show. Uh, do you have any last words for our, our fans out there? Yeah. Once again, thanks to everyone who stuck around and listened to us talk about football. We really appreciate all of our viewers and all of our listeners, whether you're watching us and listening to us on YouTube or listening to us on Spotify or Apple podcast, uh, however you're listening, however you're watching, uh, please like uh, subscribe, comment. We appreciate the feedback. We really appreciate the support. Again, we can't do it without you. You know, like we've talked about, we're not the big media guys with the big budgets and the big reach. You know, we're all about doing the research and listening and learning from our viewers and our supporters. So once again, like, subscribe, comment. You can find us uh, on any of those platforms. Also check us out at our website, smishow.com, on Facebook, uh, at SMI Football Show. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter, at SMI Football Show as well. We post a lot of funny tweets. We post a lot of our content. Uh, you'll get a lot of that as if you follow and support us. Gotta love that, right? Again, uh, really appreciate the support. Thanks to everyone. Uh, great show. Mai, any final thoughts? That's it. I am once again excited. Uh, last week was a wacky week of football. I hope we have a more uh, interesting yet stable week of football this week. A lot of big moves happening. And if any news breaks in the coming weeks, you know you can look to us to settle that news for you. So until then, we will see you next time.